0: reality is that these are great markets. These are markets people want to move back to. They want to build culture in. They've got great lifestyle elements. You can still buy a house. And so as people want to start to build their companies, that's become possible anywhere.
1: That was Andres Cole, president and COO at Launchpad. We caught up with Anne at 3686 Entrepreneurship Festival to talk about the potential she sees in smaller markets on the rise and the power of a strong ecosystem you're listening to disrupt the continuum a podcast from launch tennessee dedicated to entrepreneurs investors and ecosystem builders launch tennessee is a public private partnership that supports entrepreneurs from ideation to exit the vision is simple make tennessee the most startup friendly state in the nation tennessee is one of the few states with an entrepreneur resource infrastructure operating at the state level collaborating with over 30 partners in industries such as healthcare, life science, energy, logistics, music, and more. In this episode, Ann shares how Launchpad empowers small markets by fostering a sense of community among entrepreneurs and their efforts to build an ecosystem that spans the country. We believe that we don't want to be the
0: biggest co-working space in any market. We don't want to take over any market, but we want to connect all the markets
1: purpose of this show is to highlight the stories of entrepreneurs and thought leaders like Anne and resources available at the upcoming 3686 Entrepreneurship Festival. It's almost here, August 28th and 29th. I'm your host, Clark Buckner. We've loved having you on this journey with us. Be sure to visit launchtn.org slash podcast for more stories like this. Let's jump in. Hi, this is Anne Driscoll, and I'm the
0: president and CEO of Launchpad we're a network of co-working spaces looking to support momentum markets across the united states and i've been so delighted to be here at 3686 i was talking on the opportunity zone panel earlier around how entrepreneurs and investors can take advantage of new tax regulations uh, to help them i'm by no means an expert in tax but i am an expert in figuring out how we can build companies across the u.s
1: right and a lot of that experience comes from previous work at google and a lot of other tech startups, all well-funded tech startups out in Silicon Valley. So you all live in San Francisco currently, right? But I guess for a while you must have been living in New Orleans.
0: Actually, I've been in San Francisco for the last 20 years. Um, My partner, and happens to be my husband, uh, Chris, started Launchpad nine years ago in New Orleans. How long have y'all been married? We got married about three years ago. Okay. I dragged him out, brain drain, out to the Silicon Valley. Brain drain. Um, And as we sort of started to look at our business and the work that we were doing just organically, we realized that Launchpad was a great platform for us to kind of start to expand and think about both supporting some of our mission-oriented things around connecting entrepreneurs to the Valley and to investment opportunities and also finding great companies to invest in. And so we are expanding our co-working spaces. I joined the company a year ago Um, So I'm definitely in my least well-funded startup yet right now, but it's also the most fun. Um, And we're having a lot of fun sort of building out our team, building out this, and looking at where we're going to go next.
1: You don't meet often many husband and wife co-founder or partner teams out there. Uh, I mean, some of them are co-founders. Some of them are actively working. But, yeah, you being president and COO of Launchpad with your husband, Chris, uh, that's, you, know, you don't see that often.
0: No, you don't. I think you're gonna see it more often. The way we looked at it was we spent a lot of time talking about all the companies that we worked with um, before we started working together. Work was a big passion driver for both of us. And uh, I kind of came to the point where I own 50% of this company. We live in California, it's a, it's a community property state. And why am I building someone else's company? Let's build our own company together, and let's do this. And so we sort of know it's the notion of all in, um, and a lot of people sort of look at us and say, "How do you do that?" That would drive me crazy. Reality is, is that it. We both are really different people, and we have the ability to have great complement there. And I think that's what's really important in both a founding team. Um, And whether your husband and wife or just partners in general, which is being able to not have a lot of crossover, we sort of chuckle. I've been in the scale side of things, and Chris is definitely more on the uh, small entrepreneurship angel investor, first believer, community
1: builder. And so First Believer community builder. That's right. He loves What's that mean? Like how do you translate that into real life of what that what's that look like?
0: I think on the community builder side, it's a passion for actually Connecting with folks to hear their stories, to understand what they're doing, to be a supporter and a helper through the journey of entrepreneurship. I think the first believer side is something that's really important. We as entrepreneurs need someone to believe in us, uh, someone to take those bets on us. And I think Chris really likes... The role of being, you know, we can't always write a check, but we can always give our time, and so finding entrepreneurs and supporting them, and really understanding how they can, we can be a strategic partner to them, and you know, it's they always say do what you love and what you naturally gravitate to, and uh, a lot of that work over the years we've never we never get paid for, and it's the work that you don't get paid for that's actually the work that you do the best. So I think um, being able to find that passion and then figure out how to build a platform. And a company that actually allows you to do that every day is pretty great.
1: So he started this about nine years ago, right? New Orleans. And I know I've, I've heard him definitely being attributed to a lot of the entrepreneurial movement over the past nine years in New Orleans. So he had had some momentum going with this, but now let's fast forward just into recently, some of the, the new markets you're moving into, but then really we'll, we'll definitely highlight the focus That you all have on ecosystem building and not just a buzzword about ecosystem but really what that means to you all it's really special it's really different so fast-forwarding to kind of where we're at present day you're moving in you're here in nashville um moving into memphis so kind of yeah catch me up to where things are today yeah sure i think the way we look at our
0: business is that we're a nine-year-old company and a one-year-old startup So in the last six months, we have broken ground and opened uh, East Nashville over on Gallatin Street, Uh, Newark, New Jersey, which is a market that definitely needs some first believers and we're a first believer in it. Three months ago, we're almost sold out. So great momentum there and we're we're opening up our shop in uh, Memphis, Tennessee coming up. And I think... One of the things that we've been able to do together has been to really identify these great markets to go into, to be a part of that ecosystem, to play a a strong role. You know, we've been building this kind of roadmap of where we want to go next. And ultimately, we sum it up in one term, which is called momentum markets. You hear people talk about, you know, rise of the rest. Well, these markets aren't the rest. And you hear people talk about B and C markets. These aren't B and C markets. These are meaning like they're not one of the majors, they're not Chicago, they're not New York, they're not San Francisco. The reality is that these are great markets. These are markets people want to move back to, they want to build culture in, they've got great lifestyle elements, you can still buy a house. And so as people want to start to build their companies, that's become possible anywhere. For a while it was very much if you want to build a company and you want to get a check and venture, you need to build that company in San Francisco or the Bay Area and you need to build your team there because that's where the investors saw the talent. What we're seeing now is is that uh, this next wave of technology involvement, you can build your company anywhere and there's great talent everywhere and it has really leveled the playing field for companies to start to come out and I think investors are waking up to that. Right now what we're seeing is local investors are waking up to it and what we think is really interesting is national investors have to start to wake up to it. And so that's part of the thesis on our growth and where we want to go, which is, we believe that we don't want to be the biggest co-working space in any market. We don't want to take over any market, but we want to connect all the markets. Because once we have boots on the ground and we become part of a community and we start to develop relationships, we're able to surface and identify those companies that exist everywhere in this country. And those companies that are on their way up, those companies that don't have time to go to a pitch competition because they're too busy building their business. And those are the companies that we want to work at Launchpad or we want to invest in wherever they might work or we want to help grow. And we want to give them access points to capital. And we think that actually is a great position to be in and a great position to be for those more traditional venture capitalists who aren't going to have that sort of third-party network that they can tap into in all of these markets, and so I think it's going to open up a lot of capital for people.
1: When you talk about being collaborative in a community, I like how, yeah, you call out we're not trying to take over any community, we're trying to give value, find ways to to not just say we're being collaborative, but really do that. What's one or two examples of what that really looks like of of just contributing as a, a new kid on the block, maybe?
0: Yeah, and I think it's something that's evolving over time. We are identifying communities that would love for us to come um, rather than just communities that pencil out really well. I think the notion of our model, we're flexible. We can have a small space, sort of like we do in Nashville, or we can have a larger space like we do in Newark. And it really sort of.
1: What's the size difference? What's Newark size?
0: Uh, Newark is 15,000 square feet. Got it. Nashville is about half that. Cool. so and we have the opportunity to expand obviously but I think what we see is is that looking at a, a particular community and the opportunity for us to actually uh, come in and be a collaborator so the way we do that is identifying you know what are some of the needs and I think one of the things that we learn from ecosystems all over the world when we talk about it when I run the ecosystem summit is it doesn't really matter where you are you're all facing the same challenges you You literally could be Memphis, Tennessee, or you could be in Malaysia. Or in even Hong Kong,
1: and you all do a ton of traveling.
0: We do do a ton of traveling.
1: i have always seen um, photos that you all are sharing, and it's like, where are you next?
0: <laughs> yeah, although right now we are, our knitting is in the U.S., so we are primarily focused on this uh, this market. We think there's a ton more opportunity for us to go after, and, and we just we're going long on the U.S. right now because I think Definitely. there's a lot of things. But that other happen. than that, you just like to travel. We do like to travel. Learn about others, um, and we do like to build these kind of global ecosystems because I think regardless of where you are, having a global connectedness actually actually. actually really matters. It gives you more insight into the world, it gives you insight into other cultures, it helps us be more understanding of the opportunities and you can learn a ton. And that sense of context and understanding can come either from travel or it can come from meeting people from all over the world. And so what we hear is the same problems. One is all the players in the ecosystem compete for whatever the share of the resource there, right? I want to have the pitch competition. I want to be in the conference. I want to be the leader. I want to be the (laughs) entrepreneur organization. I'm going to be the hub. I'm going to do the social impact side. I'm going to be the angel investor, whatever that might be. Everybody wants to be their thing in the ecosystem. And that's great. But what we also hear from the ecosystem and the entrepreneurs is, is that when everyone's trying to be their own piece, we're actually not actually making the ecosystem stronger and we're not actually able to compete with others. And so we hear that time and time again, which is the local politics ends up sort of trumping the collaborative nature. The other thing we always hear is is that the local angel community, because there is such a lack of capital that um, local entrepreneurs can actually access, they end up going to the ones that they know, the ones that are trusted, the ones that are in the local groups, and as a result, it's a it's a very small ecosystem. And investing in great companies means investing in companies regardless of constraint. You don't want to invest in companies that because based on their location, based on where they work, based on what accelerator they're in. You want a company invest in companies based on their fundamentals. And so as soon as you start to constrain, whether that's geographic or anything like that, you end up sort of losing some of the focus there. And what we see in these local markets is The angel community there has sort of their ability to extract their pound of flesh, to put forth terms that would be unacceptable in bigger markets because they'd be laughed off the street. And so what we sort of see is is that these common themes keep happening and they happen in every city. Everyone will nod, the entrepreneurs will laugh, everyone will chuckle about it. And we see that the network actually can help solve for that. Okay. and can kind of level everybody's playing field. I don't know if I went off topic, no, I, but basically I, hey, that's you're in your
1: flow, and I'm, I'm digging it. And dig. you mentioned one of the things you mentioned is the Ecosystem Summit. What's some context about that? And then we might be able to kind of throw out a few more of these core themes that I think will likely relate to what Launch Tennessee and this Entrepreneur Center network of what they're doing. I talked to Chris last night, and he was really admiring kind of how they're the cities were trying to focus on our strengths and then lift each other up and that. But anyway. We love seeing that. And
0: that's, yeah. this conference has been great for that. I think, and we were just talking on the panel earlier about how... Tennessee specifically as a state has actually been a really great leader in creating more collaboration amongst the different players and basically supporting a lot of the entrepreneurship and investment movement in creating platforms like this where it's bringing people together. And what I love about these platforms is is that it's the combination of the investor. It's the combination of the entrepreneur and, and the ecosystem builders. And basically, you've got all the people who are actually passionate about building a really strong state a really strong initiative and they all are trying to learn together they're building relationships they're building connections it's these platforms that bring people together in the physical space that actually make it possible for those sort of what we call sort of like the collisions and opportunities to sort
1: of happen right so lessons from the ecosystems what would you say to a leader one of these you know they're trying to be the leader in an ecosystem in a community what do you say to them when you are meeting with them and they're gripping on tight because they want to have relevance call it ego or not but they you know everyone wants to have a place how do you kind of encourage them or coach them along especially in these communities you've been there a lot longer and you have you can kind of have that kind of dialogue but how do you encourage them to maybe loosen the grip but it's for the, but it's going to still help them even more, though. How do you help them see the bigger picture? Does that make sense? Yeah, it absolutely does. I think the way I, if I was to give you my sort
0: of vision for where we go as we grow and become more and more successful, is I see Launchpad as a platform, and that's really something that I think Chris has built over time. Uh, is a really this really sort of strong platform of context and content and entrepreneurship in those pieces, and I think that Launchpad becomes a platform that lifts people up. And so we don't look to be the forefront of it. We actually look to be a little bit of the support factor. And so what I would say is is that ways we tangibly support is to say, do you need a place to hang, have your meetup? Do you need a place to gather? Do you need a place to do a conference? Do you need somebody to support you? Do you need a scholarship for some workspace? We look at it like we give you tools and The elements for you to shine. And so what I would say to any of those ecosystem leaders is find places like that, that are not, you know, you have to be a member here, or you have to be part of this group, but find ways for you to actually shine. And I think where you become the real leader in the ecosystem is when you worry less about what you belong to or how you are working. And you worry more about, actually, how are you helping all the different players in the ecosystem? And there's a there's a technique in improv that says, you know, if you want to demonstrate higher value, the first instinct is to go tight and demonstrate how great you are. But the best way to demonstrate higher value is to actually go out and help others. And so I would say to anybody who wants to be a leader in their ecosystem – be the guy that's the go-to guy or the gal that's the go-to gal who's not thinking about putting themselves first or how they're politically benefiting, and you will always benefit from that.
1: I'm, I know there's got to be so many more tips and things that you've seen work over time, especially. From all the work you've been doing with scaling startups and and working closely with what's happening now with Launchpad as a platform and something else to mention, I mean, you all also hosted for I think a couple of years some pretty big conferences, bringing people from all around the world together. Um, Right, that was in New Orleans. Yeah, Uh, Collision.
0: Chris was the co-host of Collision for the last three years, and uh, it replaced a bunch of conferences that he had actually run. Um, in New Orleans. He has a real passion
1: for connecting. He he
0: loves he loves. I call it extreme networking. He loves it. Extreme.
1: Exactly. He
0: gets real extreme sometimes. But, uh, you know, he was um, sort of pointed out as the community guy. And, you know, he's not the politico. He doesn't have a lot of agendas. So I think he was seen as somebody who could really connect and be part of that. And he was able to attract then Collision to New Orleans, which, was an amazing three years. They're part of the Web Summit family. So we've been involved with that group. It's it's great to see. It's a great contribution to the city. It's also really interesting, which is we we started the Ecosystem Summit there because we had so many leaders who were kind of coming to exhibit at these types of conferences. And that's, that's sort of where we go, which is like 3686 is a great example of these types of conferences, which is you're really thinking about the ecosystem first. And so while the big tech conferences are great, I mean, I got to see Al Gore speak and he had phenomenal words and that's, that's amazing. Actually giving people a chance and a platform to connect with each other is something that's really powerful. And I think over, the, over time, it's great to be part of the big conference facility, but I really saw Ecosystem Summit as our way of carving out a new tribe within that and a tribe that can kind of connect together and learn from each other and maybe as a little bit of the unsung hero. And give them a chance and a, a place to sort of give them an extra reason to go to one of these things. And I think that's why we, we do the ecosystem work. It's, it's certainly beneficial to make relationships and do those things. But it's actually, I think it's a group of people that often don't get a lot of play. And I think it's a lot of p- the people that are trying to really make cities thrive.
1: I like that. And yeah, definitely, I, I do love this conference so much. And Every year it gets more intentional and more powerful. And one thing that is happening here, of course, you're hearing a lot of from speakers like yourself sharing how to, as they say, build, scale, execute. From the work you've done working with some pretty big startups, and you've seen some really big success, you've seen some burnout fails as well. So you can take this any direction you want, but in the last minute or two that we have together, what's some of the, the best advice you would give to either first-time founders or founders who have you know, do have much experience but are looking to maybe not burn out like some of the folks you've seen? So yeah, kind of final thoughts here basically is what I'm getting at.
0: Yeah, I think I actually think one of the, the great parts of smaller towns and constraints around where you can find capital is you end up getting really creative. Uh, I was talking to an entrepreneur recently who hadn't raised any equity yet, and basically I'm like, do you have a guy in the back room that just goes and wins competitions to help fund the company? And you know, he doesn't, but that's basically what they've been doing. And so you end up seeing these kind of interesting, creative things that you don't see in places where there's a lot of capital access. And so one of the things that I would say is, is that access to capital and something very common, which is raising big rounds of money doesn't actually always equate to success. And so I think that thesis plays out really nicely. And, and I've been in turnaround situations. I've been with companies that have raised lots of money and um, have definitely not achieved all of the potential that they had there. I've learned a lot from them, and I've usually loved working on those projects. But I do think that if you look at Silicon Valley and the myth and the, the magic is the success of the big ones and the success that has actually happened is there, and it's true, but there's also a lot of dead bodies along the way. Um, and dead companies that have raised tens of millions of dollars and they're gone and part of the reason I think for that is is that there is an element of (laughs) they really embrace the fake it till you make it so the fancy office you know at at Google we gave free lunch and we had snack bars within 500 feet and a barista's parlor and all kinds of great features and functions and perks and benefits but it's not why anyone wanted to work there back in the day Um, They wanted to work there because of the work that they were doing and the mission that the company was on and that it was a place to solve really big meaty problems. Great people are going to go to work and build companies that are great because they want to do the work, not because of the perks. And I think a lot of people get caught up in this presentation of culture, which has nothing to do with real culture. It has to do with you know, do I have free The Instagram life. The Instagram life. That's right. And it's sort of, it creates a sense of entitlement and it creates a sense of celebration around milestones that actually aren't real business milestones. And those milestones, you know, funding rounds are really hard. It is also a huge distraction for your company. One of the hardest things a founder has to do is keep the wheels on the cart and also do the fundraising round. And I think what i love about getting creative about capital and what i love about where we're going now is is that business fundamentals if you have a good business focus on making it a good business be scrappy be thoughtful realize that culture comes from how you make decisions and not actually what you put in your office space Um, and so i think those sort of principles sometimes we miss for the shiny other objects but those are the ones that actually count and rule the day
1: i love it well how can someone this has been amazing, by the way, and I hope we can continue this conversation. but really want to make sure we plug is how can someone connect with you, the work you're doing, follow you in your journey as well? Um, what's kind of the next step there?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, stay tuned for our next locations, part of our Roadmap is a little bit of the secret sauce, so we think we're going to be picking some some towns that maybe you might not have heard of. And if you're in those towns, we'd love to be a part of your community and be with you. Join the Launchpad Network. So we do things beyond our physical locations. We love to connect ecosystem leaders regardless. We'll do things online. We'll do things in person. We'll do things at conferences like this. Be part of our journey. We're entrepreneurs. We're on our way up. We're just like you.
1: I love it. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time to share your story and, and to share some of your insights. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Disrupt the Continuum. This is the place where entrepreneurs, investors, and ecosystem builders share their story on how they're challenging the status quo to create their own path. I hope you follow along with us at launchtn.org podcast and join the conversation on Twitter and Instagram at LaunchTN. Launch Tennessee has received national recognition for statewide collaboration, an innovative economy, and stakeholder diversity. That's because of amazing folks like yourself who are contributing to make Tennessee the most startup-friendly state in the nation. Until next time, don't forget, be sure to subscribe at launchtn.org podcast And we'll see you soon on another episode of Disrupt the Continuum.